0: So good to have you all here this morning. We're starting, um, at the end of this month, we've got a week of prayer and fasting, which is gonna end with a 24 hours of prayer where the whole, the church is gonna be open for 24 hours and we're we're decking out the auditorium with different prayer stations and stuff like that. It's gonna be really, really cool and really interactive. And uh, you can sign up uh, for a time slot uh, at the information desk for that because otherwise I'll be the one that's here at one, two, three, four, five, o'clock in the morning, and I think it would be really cool if we could just come together as a church and do this, just come together with the idea of, you know what, we're all in this together, we all want, we all need breakthrough in our lives, we all want to see breakthrough in our family's lives, friends' lives, community, the church, everything, and so it would be really cool if we could just come together. The Bible says this, that when we come together in unity, that God commands a blessing, and there's just something significant when we all buy into it, and I know getting up to come and pray at two o'clock in the morning might... Sound to you like of the devil, but um, you know, I, I used to have this discussion quite often. I said it to Pastor Eugen one day. I said, Why is it that God always wakes me up at two o'clock in the morning to speak to me? Does anybody understand what I'm talking about? And his answer was, Because he wants to see who's God. Should we just stop there? You know, so. We cry out that God would speak to us and we cry out that he'd communicate with us and then when he does it, when it's not in our convenience, we, we then get upset with him. But God has not called us to live comfortably, he's called us to live cold and so it's really important but I'm getting off tangent so let's get back to where we're going this morning. You know what, I want to do a message with you called The Power of Ask and uh, all, this, all this month we're going to look at different things that I believe that, that God, we're going to probably focus mainly on, the, on the, our ability to pray and we'll talk about fasting and the power of that, but um, this morning I want to talk about the power of ask, and because there ain't a dad in this whole entire place that, um, oh yes, yeah, sorry, we're going to already switch this morning. <laughs> no, no, I'm not, no. All right, yes, seven, eights and nines, if you're at school, seven, eights and nines, yes, seven, eights and nines, you can be gone with you. Have fun, smile, you could be staying in here. Anyway, there's not a dad in this place that uh, has a child that's ever had a problem with asking for something? I mean, we teach our kids to ask, don't we? You know, like when they want something, ask, use your manners, please and thank yous. We teach them, but we actually don't really need to teach children to ask for things. They just have this innate ability on the inside of them that they ask, ask yes? You know, and, and the older they get, the bigger the ask, you know, when they're little, it's like, "Can I go to the two-dollar shop?" Yeah, no problem. When they're older, it's like, "What do you want for Christmas?" Oh, a MacBook Pro. Because <laughs> they just grow on trees, and uh, you know, and um, you know, uh, Mad- Madison's already talking. She she can get her license this year. She can get her learner's license. It's a scary thought for me as a dad, and uh, not that I don't trust her. It just means she's growing up too fast. But she's already pointed out what kind of car that. I'm eventually going to buy her. Apparently, um, children have no problem with asking, do they? Yes, no problem at all. And the incredible thing is that the Bible is filled with ask. Everything just it's just littered with asking God to do something or asking Father God to do something. It's it's just filled with it. So like ask this, ask this, ask. And there's there's a powerful thing about. The ask of Scripture, and I uh, have to make sure I say that right. Uh, I was going to really end up badly, um, but I want to. I want to quickly read through for you just just seven scriptures that I pulled out. There was a whole heap, but just seven to lay the platform to show you the power of ask. Matthew seven seven says this: Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Ask. And it will be given to you. 1 John 5.14 says, This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. The Bible says this is great confidence that we have, that when we ask Him for something that lines up with His will, He hears us. Isn't that awesome? It's great scripture. John 14.13 says, And I will do whatever you... That was... Really, not happening. Let's try that again. And I will do whatever you in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Matthew 21, verse 22 says, If you believe, you will receive whatever you for. Impre- a little bit more enthusiasm would be great. I'm being more enthusiastic than all of you put together. Uh, Psalm 2 8. I love this scripture. What does it say? It says, Of me, and I will give you the nations as your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. And my favorite scripture, Ephesians 3.20 says this, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above more than we can, or think according to the power that works in us. It's just, there's just all these things. If you ask this and if you ask that and if it's in my will and it's in my name, I'll do it. I'll do it. It's, it's almost like he's, it's like, you know, as a parent, if I want my child to do something, I have to get a little bit repetitive with them. You, you know what I'm talking about? You know when you're joking around the house and you're joking around with your kids and then they overstep the line and you have an echo bob moment where the glory of God has departed. You know, they've overstepped the line and then you have to say to them, hey, that was too far, I'm being serious and they still think you're joking so they keep going a little bit further. And then you get that kind of frown on your face and the tone in your voice lifts a little bit and said, I said I was serious. You need to stop, you're going too far. And they still think that you're joking. And so they continue on until they experience the hand of the Lord. (laughs) And then they're like, what did you do that for? I told you I was serious, you needed to stop. I think God sometimes is like, ask, ask. Oh, I'm really going for a tough time right now and I really don't know what to do about it. And man, what am I gonna do? Ask, ask. I think he puts it in scripture a lot because he's trying to say, can you just, I'm, I'm like a father. It's like, just ask, you know? Uh, I, remember, I remember once one of my kids walked in from school one day and they said, um, you need to take me down to such and such a shop because I need this, this, this and this. Now I had no problem buying that for them because they needed it. I just said, can you ask properly please? Oh, could you please? (laughs) (laughs) So I think a lot of the time is that we just don't ask right. We don't understand the power of us. Listen to this, this is an the Lord's Prayer, great prayer, yeah? Matthew 6, 9-13. Most of you should know it. It says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What's that? It's asking God to do something. Prayer is asking. Give us this day our daily bread. Once again, we're asking, God, would you be our provider? Would you be Jehovah Jireh, our provider? And forgive us our debts, asking, as we forgive our debtors, And do not lead us into temptation once again, asking, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. It's like everything about God when he talks about prayer. And and I'm just looking at one aspect and prayer is such a broad subject that it's so hard to do. And the reason why I'm talking about prayer on Father's Day is because there's a great song by Petra. Does anybody remember Petra? (laughs) <laughs> is anybody too embarrassed to put up their hand right now? Notice I didn't put mine up. But there was this great song that says, get on your knees and fight like a man. And on Father's Day, I think there's one thing that we can learn to do as dads is to get on our knees and fight like a man. But I think most of us don't get on our knees and fight like a man because we have this concept that God doesn't necessarily answer prayers. But as I read through the scripture and I see all the asking, if you ask this in my name, I'll do it for you. If you ask this, I'll do that. If you ask that, I'll do it. So that says to me that God never intends for prayers to go unanswered. That we aren't created for unanswered prayer. That all prayer is to be answered. And if it's not been answered, we have to ask why. Come on. Because he said here. I read these scriptures and I see all the promises that will be done if I would ask. So that says to me that I'm not created for my prayers not to be answered, and that God's not deaf that he cannot hear. Because we see that in 1 John 5, 14, where he says, if you ask anything in my will, I hear you. I hear what you're saying. And so if all of prayer is meant to be answered, how come we have unanswered prayers? It's a simple question, isn't it? I want to give you four reasons why I believe we have unanswered prayers in our lives, and I hope that it transforms you. The first one is this, is are our prayers in alignment? We've got to ask this question, are our prayers in alignment? The greatest thing that God has given you and I is the power of choice. It's an incredible thing that we get to choose because God then doesn't control. You know, when you lose the ability to choose, then you are under control, yes? Yes. You you don't have the ability to choose what time you turn up to work. Your boss controls what time you turn up to work. It's in your employment contract. So you know you lose, so whenever you lose the power of choice, now you're under the control of something. And so with God, he's given us the power of choice and that's an incredible thing that God has given us. But like most things that are incredible strengths, they're also our biggest weaknesses. Because we have this incredible power of choice, We have this innate weakness that we can choose not to whenever He tells us something. Yeah? That's why He says there's a way to life and there's a way to death. Uh, Choose life. He can't make you choose life, it's your choice. And sometimes God giving us that ability to choose also becomes our biggest weakness. And so I believe that sometimes our prayers go unanswered because we, we just choose prayers that aren't in alignment with what He wants. We choose prayers that are about us and not aligned with His will. Remember it says that your kingdom come, your will be done. And I think a lot of times the prayers that we pray that become unanswered is because we're not actually praying your will be done, we're praying my will be done. I want this to happen, I want that to happen, I want this to happen. There's a great scripture in James, chapter 4, and it says this, you do not have because you have chosen not to ask. So once again, he's saying if you don't ask, you're not going to get. But then there's this great, in verse 3 where it says, and when you do ask, you still do not get what you want because your motives are all wrong because you continually focus on self-indulgence. So the scripture is teaching here, one, you don't have because you don't ask, but the other reason why you don't have even when you do ask is because you ask with completely selfish motives. It's all about you and what you want and what you need and it's not in line with what I want and what I need and my will and what I believe. You see... Don't get me wrong, I, I believe that God wants to give you the desires of your heart. I believe that. In fact, He's got promises like that that says nobody that gives up homes, nor families, nor anything like that, God does not repay 80, uh, 60, 80, and 100 fold. And it says this in this lifetime, as in now and in the one to come. We sometimes write that scripture off as that's when I get to heaven, God rewards me for the suffering. But that's not what the scripture teaches. He says, I'll reward you for your suffering in this life now and in the one to come, because God's always double portioned in everything that he does. And so there's this thing that, that, that God wants to give you the desires of your heart. He wants to add all those things to you, but we have to understand that the adding to us comes after seeking the kingdom first. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. What we tend to do is we want everything added to us, and then we'll seek the kingdom. Oh, when God really blesses me financially, then I'll give. If you don't give now when you've got nothing, you're not going to give anything when you've got something. It's not, it's not the right principle. It's not, the right, it's not how God works. And so we want God to bless us, but we're out of alignment. Or we're praying prayers that God would do this, but we're out of alignment. You know, you can't expect God to bless something that does not line up with His Word. Relationships. Oh, I'm just believing that one day He'll get saved. Friend, let me explain something to you. Don't even think about dating someone who doesn't know Christ, because the Bible says, do not be unequally yoked. It's not a suggestion, it's a command. Don't go quiet on me this morning. But I want to take it a step further, it's not even about whether you date a non-Christian or not, it's whether you're going out with someone who doesn't have the same call of God on their life that you have. That's unequally yoked. If you've got a call for, of God on your life for ministry, and the person you're dating wants nothing to do with it, then friend, you're unequally yoked. Come on, don't go all quiet on me this morning. You know, I ain't going to love you enough to tell you the truth. And so you want and so you start praying, oh God, I pray that you would do this and you do that and you bless this relationship. And he's like, Man, I want to, but I can't because you're out of alignment. Come on. That's why he says this, that he gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. You know, it's like, oh God, can you do this? Can you well I want to, but you've been prideful about this, so I can't help you. It's not that he doesn't want to, it's our problem. We are the ones that get ourselves out of alignment with him. We get our alignment in relationships. We get our alignment in career choices. So when it comes to career choices, teenagers, can I help you for a second? Your parents might hate me for me saying this, but don't pick a career based on how much money you earn. Pick a career based on what God's told you to do. And parents, don't nag them into a job that you think will bring them financial security. Get them into a career that'll bring about the God-given gifts within them. Because that's what it's about. I've seen people with a whole lot of money that are incredibly miserable because they're not doing what God's called them to do. True fulfillment comes in that. And so we're asking God to bless us in our careers, but God's like, man, this is not what I asked you to do. I can think of somebody that I know really well who God spoke to them about going to Bible college and they fought it for years and years and years and years and years. Went and did all these other things instead, finally started going to Bible college, but now is really, really struggling because instead of going when God said, they're now going after God said, and so not only does God have to deal with this aspect of their world, but now all of this aspect of their world as well. And they've made it harder for themselves by just not doing what he told them to do. You know, we can, we can pray for God to bless us financially, but live out of alignment. You know, Bill Johnson said this at the conference last week, and I thought it was so phenomenal. He said this, you cannot get the provision of one kingdom by obeying the rules of another. You know, I, I know heaps of people, God, I just, I just really want God to financially bless me. I really want God to, 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 to financially, are you tithing? No. Well, the Bible teaches really clear that if you look after his house, he'll look after your house. In fact, the biblical perspective when it comes to the kingdom of God is when you give, you gain, not when you hold back. It says there's one who sows sparingly and reaps sparingly, but there's one who sows bountifully and he reaps bountifully. In fact, the scripture says this that God gives seed to the sower. You can't give seed to someone who doesn't sow. Harvest only comes about from sowing. And so some people are like, oh God, give me a harvest of finances, but you're not sowing. So how can He give you a harvest when there's no sowing? And so you have to understand, you've got to live in alignment with how He does things, because His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. Come on, I'm not meaning to get on your case this morning, but I'm trying to show you something. It's all right to come in here and say, oh yeah, we want to run our community for Christ. I want to see my friends and family saved. Well, that costs money. And God decided in his infinite wisdom to use you and me, as crazy as it is, to fund what he wants to do to transform a world. Now, I understand that some of you are in financial difficulty and you can't afford to, and that's cool too. I think God's big enough that he can turn around and say, you know what, that's cool, I'm okay with that. But then do something. Do what you can do and trust God to bless you. I know there are some solo mums in our church that, that started off with, $5 a week, and I think it's increased slowly over a period of time as God has released his blessing upon them. Because the Bible says this, that when you give, when you sow, Malachi chapter 3 verse 10, when you give your tithe, it says that, the, that God rebukes the devourer on your behalf. Well, how can he rebuke the devourer if you're not following the principle? Are, are you with me this morning? So we pray prayers that don't line up with his word, and then when God doesn't answer them, we get angry with him come on. All right, it's going to be really quiet today, isn't it? He's just not going to answer prayers that don't line up with his will, don't line up with his word. You know, Trinity and I are embarking on an incredible personal faith step at the moment, and one of the things that really comforts me right now, as much as I am absolutely freaking out, (laughs) trust me, Trinity will tell you she's never seen me like this before. I'm just like, But there's incredible confidence and an incredible security in the fact that when it comes to our finances, we're aligned with his will, aligned with what he says. And so therefore, all the benefits of that will come to us. I just wish God answered it now, not then. You know, people say God comes at the 11th hour. I reckon he comes about two weeks after you need him. Just like he's sadistic. Second thing is why our prayers don't get answered is because are our prayers His prayers? When it comes to prayer, do we just rattle off a list of all the things that we want Him to do for us? or to actually pray the prayers that he wants. Romans 8.34 says this, It is Christ who died, and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who makes intercession for us. So the Bible teaches us that Jesus is at the right hand of God, making intercession, praying for you and for me all the time. Isn't that awesome that he's doing that, that he's interceding for us? But then I came to this conclusion a few years ago that maybe I should find out what he's praying Just in case I'm praying something that's completely different to what he's praying. Because I kind of have this idea that if I'm praying one prayer and Jesus is praying another prayer, I have this thought that maybe his prayer gets heard. Mm, Shall I listen to Craig or listen to my son? Mm, I think I'll pick my son. you You know what I'm saying? It's like, what are you praying? So a lot of the time when it comes to my prayer life or prayer meetings or anything, it's like, God, what do you want me to pray? I want my prayers to align with what he wants. I have a whole lot of wants. I have a whole lot of needs. I have a whole lot of things that he needs to do for me. But I've learned this, that if I pray his will first, he'll take care of everything else. He'll take care of my needs if I look after what he prays, prays for. So what is Christ praying for? What some of the things that he prays for? Listen to this. Matthew 5, says, But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. I used to pray when somebody was doing something mean to me that God would sort them out. You know? You know what I mean. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Yeah, I'm just going to give you a little prompt in the direction that that should be. But the Bible says when somebody is doing something to you or being horrible to you, What you need to pray is blessing on them. And so we're going through circumstances, we're going through difficulties where people are being horrible for us or being attacked from all sides and we're praying prayers like, God, sort them out. God, sort them out. And and nothing's happening. You think that God's not hearing your prayers, but it's because you're not praying what He prays. What He prays for those that are persecuting is that there'll be a blessing upon their lives, that they'll experience God's favour and His goodness and His love and His grace and His mercy. Come on. The Bible says, pray for your boss. Not whinge about your boss. Pray for your boss. Because when you pray for him and God blesses him, you get blessed as well. Come on. Pray for them. It's just what Jesus does. He doesn't turn around and, and, and curse people that are cursing him, but he blesses those. And so, so what are our prayers? What he prays. Here's another one for you, which is one that we do all the time. Matthew 9, 37 to 38 says, and he said to his disciples, the harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest field. You know, it's really, really interesting that in this scripture, he doesn't say pray for souls. Pray for people to be saved. He says, pray for laborers to bring in the harvest. See, the problem is not the harvest. The problem is the lack of laborers. Statistics say this, that 82% 82 of people would come to church if they were invited, but only 2% of church-going people invite someone in a year. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? The, The issue is not the community's bad and it's going to hell and... And, and the world's going to hell in a handbag the issue is that the laborers haven't gone in and brought in the harvest and when you don't bring in harvest what does it do it rots and when it rots of course it becomes what it becomes but am I just praying for my friends and family to be saved or I'm actually being a laborer and going out and inviting them to come I do love yous. I think that sometimes we pray for our friends and family from the safety and comfort of our homes, when God's praying for people that are go out and grabbing the harvest. How about this one here? Mark eleven seventeen says, "My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations." You know what I think that is? It means that this place is meant to be a place that prays for outside of ourselves, beyond ourselves. There's a church in Towering called Mosaic, and their tagline for this year, I want to steal it for us. It's hashtag beyond us. Everything is about, it's beyond us. It's not about us, it's what's beyond us. It's, it's, those, it's, it's a house of prayer for all the nations. What does that word nations mean? It means people groups, it means all peoples, families, friends, everybody. It's not talking about ethnicity, it's talking about all kinds of people. It's a oikos, which is family in the in the greek i want to encourage you that if we're, we're praying prayers that are just like, God, I need you to do this, and I, I need you to do that for me, and I need you to do this for me, I, I'm not saying that he won't answer them, I, I'm just saying that I just don't think that's how God works, I just don't think that God really gets off on nearsighted prayers that are all about my world when he says that my house, and the church is you, it's not the building, should be a house of prayer for all the nations, so that He says to me that most of my prayer should be for outside of me, Because I have this thing ringing around in my head and it's this, it's Craig, if God answered all your prayers, would it affect the world or just your life? If God answered the prayers that I pray, would it affect the world or would it just affect my life? I think we have to get beyond us. I think we have to understand that, that God is interested in you and God is interested in what's happening in your world. He absolutely is. But I just think we're just got to get in line more with what he's saying, and bless those that persecute us, and and pray for labourers—not so much souls, but pray for labourers, people that would actually bring people to church, that would actually witness the use. It's all of our jobs. You know, here's the crazy thing. I was talking to the, the Elam pastor this week, Darrell Booth. He's a great guy, Elam Church here in Pukekohe. I meet with him once a month. Incredible. I love the fact that we have great churches and great pastors in our community. Because when every church does well, all the churches do well. Because when the tide lifts, every boat rises in the harbor. It's just fantastic that we've got other churches that we can connect with. And, and, and um, we're talking and I said to him, you know, I worked it out the other day. And just our church alone, that if everybody in our church won one person to Christ every year, made them a disciple, and then sent them out to do the same thing, in eight years, all of Franklin would know Jesus. And so when people get up here and say, we can transform a community, or we can see a nation saved, it's actually not impossible. Because salvation isn't the issue, laborers are. And I just think we've got to change our prayers a little bit, and understand that this house is meant to be a house for all the nations. It's meant to be beyond us. Third reason why I think we have unanswered prayers is because you need to stop praying. (laughs) Hold on a sec. (laughs) You just told us to do all this praying. No, sometimes you need to stop praying. Sometimes you need to stop praying because I believe some prayers are unanswered because we're praying about a situation instead of speaking to the situation. Luke 8, to 24 says this, now it happened on a certain day that he got into the boat with his disciples and he said to them, let us cross over to the other side of the lake and they launched out, but as they sailed, he fell asleep and a windstorm came down on the lake and they were filling with water and were in jeopardy and they came to him and it woke him, saying, "Master, master, we are perishing." Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the, the raging water, and they ceased, and there was calm. But he said to them, "Where is your faith?" Huh. I think it's funny, you know, is Jesus sleeping in the storm? I heard this incredible another quote by Bill Johnson says, "If you can sleep in a storm, then you have authority over it." This is a really good thought. But here he is sleeping in the boat. They come and they wake him. They tell him, we're, and so he answers their prayer, but then he rebukes them about their faith. And it's really interesting that God answers their prayer, but he says, where was your faith? I, I think what Jesus is trying to say to them right here is, in other words, why don't you speak to it? Why did you wake me? Where's your faith? Why don't you speak to it? Matthew 17, 20 says, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. I think sometimes our problem is, is that we know, who, we, we, we know who to go to for prayer, but sometimes we don't understand our authority and our own assignment. So they, they had faith enough to go to Jesus, but didn't have faith enough to step out for themselves. And I think sometimes we pray and we want God to do something and I feel like sometimes God is saying, man, I have all authority, I have, the scripture teaches, I have given to you, whatever you permit on earth is permitted in heaven and whatever you say no is no and your yes is yes and you have the authority, I've given you the keys of life and death, uh, you know, everything, all authority, everything that I have, I give it to you. The, the power that raised Christ from the dead lives and abides in you. And sometimes I think God doesn't answer your prayer because it's like, you do it. You speak to it. You tell it what to do. You command it. I think sometimes we're, we're looking so much for a prayer that needs, we, we, we think that we're praying a prayer that needs to be prayed when really what we need to do is give a command that needs to be given. I think sometimes we're out of alignment with God. We're not praying His will. Sometimes I think we don't actually take time to find out what he's praying, but then other times I don't think it needs prayer at all. It just needs you to get up in the authority that you have and understand that you're a son and daughter of the most high God, that you're seated with him in heavenly places, not when you die, but right now, your position of authority is beside him on his right hand, which means that when you speak, he speaks. Come on, the word of God in your mouth is as powerful as the word of God in God's mouth because it's the word of God. I say this all the time, that your words are not for communication, they're for creation. And when you speak something, when you speak the word of God over a situation, the Bible says that his word goes out and it doesn't return empty. And so sometimes the reason why God doesn't answer our prayers is because we're praying something that needs to be commanded. And I want to encourage you. You know, I, I get calls sometimes, oh pastor, it's weird stuff happening in my house, I need you to come over and pray through it. You know what, my prayers are not any better than your prayers. You you have to understand something. I am not a better person than any of you. I have weaknesses. I have insecurities. I have all sorts of issues. I get a box, tissue box at home because I need tissues for my issues. I'm telling you, I have issues left, right and center. The reason why I'm standing up here is not because I'm better than you. It's just because I'm called to do this put me on a building site with Chris Heineke and you'll discover that I'm not called for that. (laughs) That's what he's called to do. So it doesn't make him better than me because he can build and I can't, it just makes that that's what he's called to do. And it doesn't make me standing up here better than you or I can pray more powerful than you, it's just that this is what I've been called to do. And sometimes I wish God called me to be a scuba diver in the Bahamas for a full time living, that would be pretty awesome. But this is what he's called me to do. And you will not understand that sometimes you need to, before you ring, why don't you take the authority that you have? Yeah? Anoint the doors in your house with oil. Open your front door and then stand there in your lounge and go, in the name of Jesus, I take authority over every principality and power. Everything that's not of God that's in this house. I command you, get out my front door. Then say, so I'm giving you to 10, and then I'm shutting it because the Holy Ghost is going to come and invade. And if you don't leave on your own accord, He'll shift you out for you. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, slam, done. Now get on with your life. Come on. Worst thing we can ever present to the world is a weak church. Go oh on, man. If, we, if this whole thing's going to happen on my shoulders, we are in real trouble. Just ask Gina and Claire and Andrea. They're in the office. They see it all. Right, let me move on. Number fourth reason why we don't see prayer answered is, have we asked the right question? Have we asked the right question? Matthew 17, 14 to 21 says this, And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him kneeling down and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son. For he is epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. And Jesus answered and said, oh, unbelieving and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How many people think Jesus is really nice? Could you imagine if you came into my office and said, I've been praying and I think it's changed. Oh, Unbelieving and perverse person, how long shall I put up with you? You wouldn't stay in this church. <laughs> how long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him and the child was cured that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately, took him aside and said, why could we not cast it out? And Jesus said to him, because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go except by prayer and fasting. If you get nothing else this morning out of this message, I want you to see this. You have to understand that the disciples knew what they were doing. They they weren't amateurs. They they had gone out and seen all sorts of people healed, cast demons out, left, right and center. It's not like this was their first cab off the rank and they had no idea what they were doing. They knew exactly what they were doing and for some reason it didn't work. For some reason, this time, it didn't work. And I think it's so cool that they took Jesus to one side, and I I learned this from Bill Johnson, so I'm stealing some of his stuff this morning, but it's all good. But they took him to one side and they asked him, why? I, I love that. When I heard that, I thought that was so cool. It's like every other time we've done this, it's worked. Why? And they weren't happy to just go, oh, well, God's will, He's sovereign, you know, if He wants it to happen, it'll happen, if He doesn't want it to happen, it doesn't happen. The disciples weren't satisfied with, oh well, it didn't work this time, oh well, maybe next time. They were like, hold on a sec, this has been happening for us, this has worked every other time. Hey, Jesus, can we talk to you privately? Why didn't this happen? Why this time did it not happen? I wonder how many of us pull Jesus aside privately and say, hold on a sec, God, how come this prayer isn't being answered? How come this breakthrough isn't coming? How come my finances are still the way they are? How come this relationship is the way it is? How come... My health hasn't improved even though I'm on the prayer line and the prayer team are praying and nothing seems... What's going on here? Why is this not being answered? Why is it that we settle so easily in the Christian life and just go, oh, well, must be God's will. Well, was God's will to destroy all of Israel until Moses stepped between them and said, whoa, hold on a second here, Jesus. Don't kill them. And then God goes, okay, fine. You have the ability, because you're a kid, the son and daughter of God, to change his mind. I know some of you are like, ooh, Theo, ooh. But if he's father, come on, I don't know about you, there's gotta be dads in this place that are exactly like me. Dad, can, I, can you take me to McDonald's? No. Dad, please, can you take me to McDonald's? No. Dad, yes, if I do the vacuuming and clean up my room, can I then go to McDonald's, please? Dad? And, and then, you know what, Dad, we could have quality time together. <laughs> and, and we could talk about stuff. You know, I, I really want to talk about what I want to do with my life after school. And I just, I just feel like I just don't see you that often, Dad, because you're so busy and and I, and I know that's because you're working for Jesus, but it's just really nice if we could just take this time. Just you. And, how many people know it's like, forget the vacuuming, forget cleaning your room, McDonald's it is. Let's go. <laughs> if that is us as earthly dads, the Bible says, how much better is he as a heavenly father? And so I love that they pulled into the one side so and go, why did this not happen? We need to understand. Why this did not happen for us? And that's the power of the ask, is that they asked, why? Why was our prayer not answered? The whole key to this whole entire story is not the boy being healed. The whole key is that the disciples had a moment to say, why did this not work? And then Jesus gives them the answer. Jesus comes and he says to them, hey, hey, this one only comes out by prayer and fasting. Now the problem with us in church is that we read that and and in Christianity, we have turned now prayer and fasting into a formula. So if God's not coming through for me, ah, I know what I do, I pray and fast. But that's not what he's saying here. He's saying this kind, this one, in this case, it requires prayer and fasting, not all cases. And the reason why it required prayer and fasting is because he tells you what the problem is. He says, you unbelieving and perverse generation, unbelieving simply means this, you are disconnected from God. And perverse simply means this, that you are too connected to the world. He's saying the reason why this prayer wasn't answered, the reason why you couldn't do this is because you're disconnected from me and you're too connected to the world. But this one does shift through prayer and fasting because prayer connects us to God and fasting disconnects us from the world. Oh, it's got quiet now because I'm starting to talk about fasting. Because you have to understand something the issue, didn't, the, the situation didn't require prayer and fasting. The boy didn't need them to pray and fast because the boy wasn't the problem. It was their unbelieving and perverseness that was the problem. And we treat prayer and fasting like it's a formula for success when prayer and fasting is actually about breakthrough in you so that you can then see a breakthrough in someone else. Prayer and fasting is not because God's not answering my prayers, so if I pray and fast for a little bit and go without food, I can somehow emotionally manipulate God into answering my prayers. I used to do that. I'll pray and fast, and I'll go, why didn't you answer my prayers? I fasted. I went without food for 21 days. Motivation was all wrong. I thought by starving myself that God would answer me. No, no, no the issue in this situation was because you haven't done this, because you haven't prayed and fasted as part of your lifestyle of connecting you with God and disconnecting yourself from the world, you don't have the authority to speak over this. See, they wanted to do what Jesus did without doing what Jesus did to get it. So prayer and fasting is not about situational breakthrough. It's about personal Breakthrough. It's about increased relationship with God, which in turn leads to breakthrough as you hear his voice clearly in every situation. So we accept in our lives, we accept unanswered prayers like that's normal. Oh, it's just not God's will. Oh, it's just it's just it's just not God's will. I've come to this real belief that unanswered prayer happens because of a few reasons. There's probably some more, but these are the only four that I felt God speak to me. One is that I pray prayers that aren't in alignment with His will. And He's like, man, I'd I love to help you, but I just can't, because what you're praying for goes against everything that I believe. I think sometimes God doesn't answer prayers because what I'm praying and what He's praying are two different things, and I've got to get on board with what He's praying and make sure that my prayers are the same as His prayers. I think the third reason why we have unanswered prayers is because sometimes you're praying for something that you need to command. You're, You're praying for something that needs you to be spoken to. It needs to be commanded to shift. And the fourth reason why I think, why sometimes our prayers are not answered is because we don't ask the question why. Why was that not answered? Why was that not answered? And maybe sometimes the answer is as hard as it was for the disciples. It wasn't answered, guys, because you're unbelieving and you're perverse. You're too connected to the world and not connected enough to me. And so what you need to do is you need to pray and fast, which will reconnect you to me and disconnect you from the world so that we can go to another place in our relationship so you too can have authority over those situations because you've paid the price beforehand. You've done what I've done so that you can do what I do. And so when Jesus turns around and says things like, These things I do, you shall do even greater things. You have to understand the price that Jesus paid for those things to happen and understand that it was 30 years of preparation for three years that transformed not just the world in that time, but the world ever since. And I just think that if we could just get some people in this place, if we could just get ourselves aligned with His will when we pray If we could just take the moment and say, hey God, what what prayer do you want me to pray? What is it that you're praying about? What is it that's on your heart today? And if we could just take the time enough to say, hey God, is is this something that I need to pray about or is this something that I need to speak to? And then when nothing happens, just take the time out to go, why? 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 And we're going to talk about fasting in a couple of weeks, and we'll talk about the importance of it. (laughs) Shouldn't have said that. Two weeks, no one will be here. But there's something about fasting food that connects you to God. Because what we're doing is we're saying, we're actually not relying on the world for our sustenance, we're relying on Him for our sustenance. And God always steps into the hole, and there's different kinds of fasts that you can do, and we'll talk about all that. But I want to encourage you this morning Maybe you need to go home and just reevaluate and rethink about how you're praying for things about what you're doing. And maybe rather than just praying about some things, maybe you need to do some things. Maybe you've been praying for ages for your loved ones and your friends to come to Christ, but you've never actually invited them to church. Or maybe what you need to do is invite them to come. The thought. Maybe the Bible's true when it says faith without works is dead. Prayer without works is pointless. Prayer without doing something is just pointless. If I'm praying for my friends and family to be saved but I'm not reaching them, then I'm abdicating my responsibility and hoping that somehow, somewhere, some way, someone will come along and do it for me. And that's not the way that God intends it. It's not that the harvest is a problem, friend. It's laborers that are a problem. And I just want to encourage you this morning, step out, have some faith. Understand that when you invite someone, you are in line with his word. He says, go out into the highways and the byways and compel them to come in. He he, he wants us to do this. And just trust him that even if they say no, that it's okay. You've done what you needed to do. But what if they say yes? And what if they come? And what if they find Jesus? What if the whole entire world transforms? And what if in a year time, we now have two services on a Sunday because every single person in this place led one person to Christ, discipled them, and sent them out to do the same? Wouldn't that be amazing? Some people think so. Why don't you stand to your feet this morning? I want to pray for you. Why don't you just close your eyes if you're here this morning and you're like, Craig, I'd really love it if you could pray for me today. Pray that I would, that i will be able to make a transition or a shift in my mindset when it comes to prayer, when it comes to my unsaved friends and family. If you could just pray with me that I'd have the courage that I'd be able to do that. I really just want to pray that God would be with you. And all of that so why don't you just if that's you this morning like man, I'd really love you to pray with me, that I find the courage to pray prayers in line with his will, not with my wants, that I would get in line and I'd, I'd understand what it is that he's praying for, and I 'd start praying for that, and that I'd start commanding the situations that I'm praying for. if that's you this morning. Or maybe you've not had prayers answered and so you're going to go home today and go, you know what, God, why? Why wasn't that answered? That's you this morning and you want prayer in any way. Just lift your hand up all across this place and just keep your hand right up high. That's why no one's looking around. Just keep your hand right up high. Every single person. Close your eyes, guys. Every single person. Father, you see every single hand in this place. God, there's a whole heap of them. I pray, Father, right now that you would come Lord, you're a good God. You're a good father. You love us. You're for us. You're not against us. You're not angry with us. You actually want to answer our prayers. You're just trying to show us how it needs to come about. So I pray, God, that this week as they pray, God, that you would show them. Oh, maybe they're doing things. You know, maybe, maybe they've got worries about their kids and they're away from God. That they'd show them, Lord, your word promises that if we raise them, your way, then they will hold on. And so if there's things that we're not quite doing in line with your will and raising children, that you'd show us. If there's things we're not doing quite right in line with how you see marriage, that you would show us so that we could change. If there's something we're doing that's not quite right in line with your Word when it comes to our finances, that you would show us. If there's ways that we're talking about our health that doesn't line up with your Word, that you would show us, and God, that you would help us to find people that would come in agreement with us as we come in agreement with your will. Because God would two or three agree on something, so it happens. And so Father, I agree with them this morning. With everything that it is that's in their hearts, for their kids, and for their marriage and for their finances and for their body, you know, for their health. All this is God, we come into alignment with your word and I come into agreement with them, Lord, that you'd see it and that they would start to see all these prayers that they thought were unanswered would start to come as they shift and change the way that they've prayed and that we would be a place filled with the testimony of answered prayers and a God that loves us in Jesus' name. And everyone said...